You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. y'all welcome back to another thursday episode of clapback culture i'm your girl julia jesse so glad to be here along my co-host omari salisbury what's up big oh welcome back julia what's happening man it's good to be back thank you for holding it down uh week off last week i wish i was like at home comfortable like you are though yeah, I mean, listen, you got six head cameras in the studio, so I don't know why you're even complaining. You know, this is this is my my good chair, like Wendy Williams. You know, she had her little purple chair. I got my my orange chair that I've been having since we started when we were doing a. The political analyst kind of thing. Yeah, the, the political uh, analytical uh, recall sure. show. Yeah, <laughs> yep. So I kept the chair, um, and I think I'll keep it going. But you guys, good news is I will be in studio next week with Omari. We're going to do some special yeah. taping. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that, getting some studio time in, you guys, and and getting in some content. So next week. I'll be in studio with Big O. We're going to be live in Seattle, making it happen, having such a great show. So I'm looking forward to that. But without further ado, uh, I know what y'all came here for. Y'all came for some tea. Um, But before we do that, we must offer a moment of silence. Uh, Queen Elizabeth has passed away. The news came out today, you guys, that um, she passed 96 years old, 70 years old on the throne you guys queen elizabeth i mean big deal right there you guys um her son king charles iii he's gonna inherit the throne at 73 years old man he's been waiting a long time for his mama to turn it over i mean one thing you could say is if, if patience was a person okay it would be it would be it would be her son, baby, because golly, it's, I just I can't take it. I mean, one thing I can say about <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> Listen, Queen Elizabeth said, "I'm gonna hold down this throne all the way down to the casket, baby." She was not playing. Okay, she said, "I need all seventy years of mine," um, but. Listen, rest in peace to the queen to uh, and to all of the royal family. It's not a laughing matter, but of course, black Twitter, Omari, I had to show a couple of things. We talked about Stacey Dash on the show. Uh, Cuddy, can you put this up? I saw this on um, on social media, on Instagram. Y'all keep playing with Stacey Dash, but Stacey Dash, if you're out there listening, the queen died today. OK, so just write that in your notes. We don't want you to show up and be surprised. She's gone. OK, let's just mark that down in your notes. OK, we don't want we don't want uh, the DMX situation playing out <laughs> once more. <laughs> Black Twitter got no chill, man. You know, um, nine, 96 years on the throne. And of course, the Queen Elizabeth, it, um not just the, the queen of, of England, but actually all the Commonwealth countries. So it's like 15 countries, yeah, um, you know, but Barbados just really gained. I mean, they're independent, but they're independence from the Commonwealth. Remember last year it was a big deal. 
um, when they game might have been even earlier this year. But it's a lot of it's a lot of countries where the queen is still considered, you know, the head of the Commonwealth and, and everything else. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's a passing. A lot of people feel a lot of different ways um, about that, um, that monarchy there uh, in the U.K., and and also, you know, with if you include the royal uh, uh, jewelry and gems and everything else, that that the wealth of of the queen or soon to be king, whoever, is is like tremendous. And of course, none of those um, rare earth gems are found in the UK. You know okay. what I'm saying? They're, they're found in all these other countries around the world. A lot of them from Africa and uh-huh. everywhere else. And, you know, there's the the history, a lot of talk today, you see like on Twitter and everything else about uh, the history of colonialization and some of everything. But 96 years, man. Hey. And well, 96 years old, 70 years on the throne. But to your point, Omari, I mean, Queen Elizabeth was rocking the biggest known diamond in the world. I believe it's valued at 400 million um, from the country of South Africa. So listen, uh, King Charles. Let's go ahead and run that back to the continent of Africa, okay? Let's get the people back their stuff. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, listen. We we live in the United States. We, we got so much drama going on in our own nation. We gonna let the UK do what they do. They're one of America's greatest allies. Right. And I th- I think for sure. Right. You know, I'm saying death and we deal with it too much here. It's never a laugh- laughing matter. You know, I think that, you know, 96 years, you know, 70 years on the throne. I mean, it speaks to a lot of different things. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, to be there. But, it, you know, here here we all always let other things overwhelm us as well, especially in the news cycle. And it's like. I understand, you know what I'm saying? I see all the news about it, but man, they still ain't got no water in Jackson. Come on. <laughs> you know, I, mean, you know, I mean, you know, you know what I'm saying? And so I'm not, it's not a, but it's an, and is that she passed away and here we still ain't got no water in Jackson. And it's real easy for people to be distracted about issues that are impacting us right here and right now. My point exactly. I mean, we will bid adieu to the queen, but at the end of the day, we're still trying to figure out why people don't have water in Jackson, Mississippi. Okay? Like that. I mean, and I was thinking about that. We didn't put this in the topic, but I do want to touch on this a little bit and get your your thoughts on this. Can you imagine waking up every day? Like, I was thinking about it this morning when I took a shower and I was like, wow, the people in Jackson do not have water. They cannot take a shower. And then I was like, how is it that they're going to go to work? Like, are they still obligated to go to work and go to school? Or is it like a full shutdown? So let me let me tell you this. We were down in Jackson, Mississippi in July when we were shooting a reconciliation tour, which actually is going to premiere at T-Mobile Park on the 27th of this month. And when we were in Jackson, Mississippi in July, there was a boil alert. They told us, don't even brush your teeth with the water. Mm-hmm. So this issue, you know, well precedes the storm, the flooding that, that, that happened there. We could. That was the first thing they told us. Absolutely do not drink any water that comes out of the tap. So everything that we did there in Jackson in July was all in bottled water. Mm. Can you, I just can't even imagine. I can't even imagine that. So 
you guys, if you know something about more about this story and how people are getting on their day day to day lives, I know we see the headlines and we see um, just some quick clips of people using bottled water, but there's clearly not enough bottled water to go around. I mean, Amari and I, even when we lived in, in East Africa, when, you know, when the water was gone, we still, we had some bottled waters to go after, but we would have water, you know, within the next day. Um, so I'm not sure exactly how this is, this is operating, especially in, in, you know, we're in a, a I'll say say this. I know you got a a bunch of great topics lined up here, so I don't, I don't want to sidetrack us. But I'll say this is that this is an American city of 150,000 Americans who, you know, who are sitting there. It's a predominantly black city. And I'll tell you, Jackson, Mississippi, you see the heart of poverty. Yeah, it's the heart of the South, but it's the heart of poverty. And you go there and you see how black people are living there and poor white people, too. You know what I'm saying? And it's it's accepted there and it's tolerated there. And it's part of a, a, a larger systemic plan over there. These black people are sitting there running this this uh, running the city there. And the, the, the governor wants to point the finger at the city and the city's like, well, it's the state government. But here we are and we're going and we're fixing all of these problems in other places domestically and internationally. An American city with our American citizens there. And there, there's no mass massive undertaking uh, involved to be able to bring, you know, a sustained relief there. It's just been Band-Aid approaches over the years. The infrastructure is broken down. There's never been any money to fix. It's been allocated. You know, it's, it's poor black people that live there. Yeah. <sighs> we got a lot to work on. Um, in some better news, you guys, we have former President Barack Obama and our beautiful former First Lady uh, Michelle Obama uh, they came back to the White House um, to celebrate the official White House portraits and the unveiling ceremony that took place. Um, we do have a video clip and I chose this clip, you guys, because I wanted to understand a little bit more on their untraditional approach to the portrait. So we're going to hear a little bit from the artist on what inspired these looks. Let's take a look. One of the few ceremonies we have that show the flow of American history and the importance of democracy is the unveiling of a portrait of a former president and first lady in the East Room. I think it's fair to say that every president is acutely aware uh, that we are just temporary residents. We're renters here. Uh, We're charged with the upkeep uh, until our lease runs out. But we also leave a piece of ourselves in this place. There's a custom for the official portraits of our presidents and first ladies. Two sets are done. One set is done by and for the National Portrait Gallery. And the other set is done, funded by the White House Historical Association, for the People's House, the White House. These paintings at their best are when a president basically says, we want paintings that are of the time that we served in the White House. I think it's interesting that the Obamas had a keen sense of the type of artists that they wanted, and that process was done uh, pretty quickly. I'm Robert McCurdy. I painted the official White House painting of Barack Obama. My name is Sharon Sprong. I was honored to paint Michelle Obama. When I first started doing these paintings, um, I come from a, a minimalist background, but I could never settle on what the actual subject was. Subject ultimately for me was this idea of the gaze, two people looking directly at each other with nothing else there to load the narrative. 
What was most remarkable was they wanted a modern sense. I mean, I'm traditional in the sense of how I paint an eye or a face, and I know the skills, but I don't want it to look like it was done in 1913 or whatever. I want it to look this time and place. The Obamas at their best have always wanted to connect with people and say, this is who we are. The eyes of these portraits looking directly at the person looking at them, I think that is a very personal engagement. The painting's not telling the story of Barack Obama. It's telling the story of the relationship of the viewer with this particular person. And that's a two-way street. I don't know how much. I love this, you guys. I love that these artists uh, selected by the Obamas um, actually in advance to this to be able to create these portraits um, to go into the people's house and this is a tradition that is celebrated I, I guess the last time they did it was 10 years ago so um, I love that this happened and um, they're beautiful they're absolutely beautiful and I think they really show a connection to that administration and, um, and the people it serves yeah, so uh, a few things. Is one when they said that uh, McCurdy said there that the portrait represents also the time and era that they served in. I thought that it was real interesting that you got black Barack Obama against an old white black background. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's in my. I mean, that's what the, the, the artist said is that it symbolizes the era that they served in. But also Barack when they unveiled it. He said that the, the artist captured everything about his wife, even how fine she is. Oh, my gosh. She's so beautiful. I mean, it's just it's just so effortless. Michelle Obama is just a class act. Um, I mean, I think being an artist, you know, and having to have to take on this type of special project, I think they both really really nailed it. I actually think with Barack Obama's portrait, when they were talking about that white background, that they didn't want anything. He paints like that, those portraits like that, because he doesn't want anything um, to go against the narrative. He doesn't want anything to take away from the focus, which is Barack Obama. So that's why he puts it on a black, a white background, that it's just a blank kind of canvas. So all we see is Barack. All right, that's what's up. If if that's the reasoning, I'm I'm running with it. <laughs> John Jupiter said, "You don't got to be petty, okay? <laughs> big petty, okay, big okay, petty. okay." All right, you guys. Well, listen. I know one thing. I will be taking a stroll down to the people's house so I can see the portrait in real life, courtesy of Washington D.C. baby. So I'm really glad to live here in the nation's capital, where I have access to all of those things. So I'll definitely be going to take a look. Um, you guys, this story is so cute. I had to bring it to you. Uh, I saw this video on social media and I just could not believe it. My almost 35 year old age could not believe that these kids never saw a landline. Let's take a look. Yo, it's actually working. Yeah, it's hooked. It's a, it's a phone. Can I do your number? Yeah, you, 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 it will ring. It will call me. Really? All right, huh? Yeah, it's a real phone. What do I do now? Put it up to your ear. 
See? <laughs> answer, answer. <laughs> I'm like, I'm supposed to Wait, what do I do? Answer, answer, answer. Ross, answer me. Hello? That's cool. Hello? 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 Oh my gosh. The fucking accent works. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> oh. Okay, just push, just push it down. Wait, like, get off of it. You just put it down. What? It ain't it. This is just so cute, you guys. These these two little girls were with their mom visiting their grandmother, and their grandmother had um, two landlines in the house. And I think one was um, even a no, that was I think even a rotary style phone. And they could not believe that these phones actually worked. And I just thought it was so cute and so funny. Um, in the comment section, you guys, on this post, everybody was feeling like me, like, I can't be that old, that people just don't remember the landline. Like, I remember having to get the extended cord so you could take the phone from the kitchen into the living room to sit down with it. Yo, well, one thing I can't believe is that I am that old. <laughs> Yo, landline, it's a lot of stuff people people will, will remember. Like we we take for granted, like man, the cell phone pops up and show you the number who's calling. That was a big deal when they came out with the caller ID box. Oh, yeah. And they was taxing for caller ID back in the day. If you wanted a caller ID or the uh what what was it? The the store or whatever, you could get the the number that just that just called you or even the answering machine. Oh my gosh, that's true. The Star Eighty Two, and uh, um, what was it to block your number? Was that Star Eighty Two? Star Star Six Seven, Star Six Nine. Oh know, yeah, had all, all these like, you wanted to say unknown when you called because you didn't want anyone. To... Man, we yeah, what? you know what else was a big deal is when you got your own phone line. See, I'm that's oh, yeah. my that's my era. When I was in high school, and my mom was like, "Listen." You and your brother will have your own phone line. And she had her own phone line because she didn't want to jam up the lines. So two phone lines in the house where it was like, if that phone rang, you knew it was for you. That was a big deal. Dog, I, I be thinking that like I would really like to be able to activate a busy signal on my phone. So like you call back, just get the busy signal, no voicemail, no nothing, call back. Listen, if they could only enjoy the days where you used to really plan to make your voicemail message, put that music in the oh, background, the music. Yeah, get your the voice music. ready. Hey, yeah. what's up? Uh, come on, man. Uh, <laughs> do this shit. Mr. Telephone, man. There's something wrong. Hey, what's up? This is Omari. I yeah. can't go to the phone. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> what? Man, you know what? I don't think kids don't have, they don't have that they can, they have other things, but I'm telling you, these are some classic, classic things that just brought so much joy. Um, and we appreciated that kind of stuff. So, and even when we got cell phones, it, it was really like, you know, we, I really appreciate the fact that I got to see so much transformation in my lifetime so far. Like even with like, I still was using cassette tapes and like putting them in into, um, you know what I'm saying? The stereo, putting in, listening to the radio and making mixtapes, you know, like, oh, let me get that song. You know, you had to hurry up and get it so you get the whole thing. Um, 
Yeah, man, they don't even know. We had the party line that was off the landline. Oh, man, three, yo, so that, that that was how you got jammed up in high school. You always knew, man, it was a setup. If if the conversation wasn't whatever, somebody just called you and be like, hey, man, what did you say so-and-so said? And then you sit there, da 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 da, da and they got them on three-way click over, oh, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what? Leon is bringing up something that I forgot um, as well. If you, we could put that up. Remember the hello? Just kidding. Leave a message. Remember when you were like, hello? Yeah. Like, I'm just playing. I'm not here right now. Go ahead and leave that message. I always got caught up with that. I don't know hardly anybody now that has a voicemail message on their, you know, on their phone. It's just like, you know, but I, w- I will tell you this, though, is that unlimited calling and unlimited everything, because even when cell phones, you know, first came out, was like affordable to the mainstream. Man, you had a bucket of minutes and even you had a bucket of text. I think the quality of conversation was probably much higher than because you actually pay every minute actually counted. You paid for all that. Now you could just talk, whatever, call, whatever, text, whatever. You get people texting you memes, group text, this yeah. text, that text, everything else. So it's just kind of opened it all the way up, but you value things a little bit more. Even when it was the, the, the landline and you might have only had a few hours. You can talk on the phone between six and eight. You got to be off the phone by eight. Man, you better use them two hours, right? Oh, listen, if we were so savage, if you went over a minute, we used to watch the timer on the phone and be like, hold on, don't go over a minute. We're like, okay, hurry up and say what you got to say. Got to go by and we'd hang up. But if you went over, if it went to 59, oh, 60, yeah. it was like, nah, we are, we're already paying for the minute. So we got to we got to finish our minute. <laughs> you know, uh, I was going to say, I'll, I'll tell you this, is that my, my grandma, my rest in peace for, for years, even after it all changed, you could call for free. No phone call lasted longer than a minute. You know, hey, grandma, what's up? I'm good, baby. Oh, I was oh, just going yeah. to see how you doing. Okay, I'm fine. But she get off the phone because she still remembers them days With long when distance. the phone call was so expensive. Yeah, I think long distance was almost like $4 a minute or something like that. It was a lot of money to connect to somebody out of state. And so you I remember that being like a package on your plan. So you guys are dropping these gems in the comments. I see you, uh, Bria, saying wait to call me after nine. Death, definitely. And you guys remember when they, they switched it up and you could do calls after seven. So that was a big deal with those two nights. Leon, oh, good nights and weekends. I forgot on, about man. that. If you weren't doing it if you wasn't in somebody's T-Mobile 5. Remember the five people you oh, could call? <laughs> Yo, I got to put you in my five. Who am I going to push out? <laughs> I forgot about the five. Man, shout out to T-Mobile one time for the one time. I've been low. I've been uh, loyal to T-Mobile since I've been 17. I asked my brother. I was like, please get a phone for me. So he that was his first line of credit. He opened a phone and, and, and got me a phone so we could be on that. Man, then family plans, too. That was a whole big deal, too, when you have people on the family plan. And it was a man. Cell phones used to be so expensive. That bill, sometimes people's sprint bills was in the thousands of dollars. You remember that? Come on, man. I, I used to be in that business, believe me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yo, yeah, no, nah, that that was it was so the, the other thing though on on that was that people had a, a higher value for for your account. Like, you know, especially if you had to pay a deposit. If you had to pay a two hundred dollar, three hundred, four dollar deposit, you know what I'm saying? You paid that bill. But when people, you know, went to no deposit, everything else, burn out the bill, 100, 200 bucks, get another phone. Yeah, I, believe me, I know them stories. 
Man, Carolyn's jumping in in the comments with all of the sneaky things that she used to do. And I think all of us kind of used to do this. She said, I used to sneak off to my boyfriend's house and say I was at my best friend's house. When my mom called to check on me, my friend would three-way call me at my boyfriend's house. <laughs> it was a lot easier, too, moving around as a kid. Now it's find my iPhone. Who, what you going to do? With your, your mom ain't even got to call you right now. She's just, your, mom's, oh, okay. your, your mom's given share your location. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. Share your share your location. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. A word. Send me your location. Yeah. Or actually, I have an ongoing tracker. Share your location on your phone, so I know where you're at at all times. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, all right, y'all. Well, look, we're gonna take a quick break, but when we come back, did you guys hear about Black China making twenty million dollars a month on OnlyFans? Golly, it's given. I'm in the wrong business. Stay tuned. We'll come back and talk about it. Baseball is a beautiful game, especially when played in community. Earlier this summer, Baseball Beyond Borders took a powerful, eye-opening journey through the heart of the South, which included baseball, civil rights, and reconciliation. Our young kings hosted a baseball clinic at Jackson State University in Jackson, Mississippi, and hit the roads of Montgomery, Alabama, by way of the historic Edmund Pettus Bridge, to visit the Equal Justice Initiative Museum and Memorial, all in an effort to ground our kings in their history and find serenity in the sport they love to preserve the cultural legacy. Join Baseball Beyond Borders on September 27th for the premiere of our film, Reconciliation Tour, at T-Mobile Park's Alice Pavilion from 3 to 5 p.m. Hear from those on the front line as well as special guests as we elevate our promise to bring healing through play. For tickets or to donate, visit BaseballBeyond.org or check our social media platforms. All right, y'all, welcome back to the show. Um, as I was saying, I think I may be in the wrong business, okay? Uh, Black China, who is the baby mother to Rob Kardashian of the big Kardashian clan, um, who recently went to court and all of that. We talked about it on the show. But y'all, she is continuing to make bank on OnlyFans. Um, according to... A research publisher called Statista, uh, the 34-year-old mother of two, is raking in that 20 milli per month in 2021, making her the top earner on the platform. Now, I don't know how true this is, right? Like, her mom came out on social media, Tokyo, uh, Tokyo Tony, y'all. Um, they are also from Southeast Washington, D.C., for those of you watching from this area, y'all know what I'm saying. Um, and listen, her mama didn't hold nothing back. She said, I don't think this is true. If it's true, why am I still out here selling my you know what? And how come her Rolls Royce was repoed? Uh, so her mom doesn't believe it. And she says she don't know who's putting together these numbers. And you guys, according to these lawsuits that um, have come out, you know, Black China herself claims that she only made a million dollars and that her income was two million dollars in 2020, 2019 and 2018. So it's it's smelling like tax evasion, if that's the case. Um, but I couldn't put it together, Omari. She has subscribers, monthly subscribers at a rate of twenty dollars, well, nineteen ninety nine 
per month that subscribe to her OnlyFans platform. Um, I'm not on OnlyFans, so I don't know how many subs she actually has. Um, I mean, that's that's an easy math. She'd have to have a million subscribers paying $20 a month. She has a million subscribers on OnlyFans. She, I mean, I I think that's realistic. I think she probably even would have more than that. Oh, hold on. We, we might have an OnlyFans subscriber in, in the studio right yeah, now. Yeah, can someone pull that up? Come on, Cuddy, pull it up. <laughs> Who's going to do some, some research for us? All I know is people are so, man, here's the thing, though, right? Is that when celebrities started goes OnlyFans, we know it started as, you know, just it it took some space from from a lot of other websites that had shut down, right? You know, and then really blew up even more over over COVID. Um, but a lot of the original people on OnlyFans was mad when all the celebrities started coming over there because they're like, yo, you're gonna take all the money. You know, like man, we're barely getting there. We're over here earning on OnlyFans. And then the celebrities came over there and clearly, like, I mean, they're over there eating. I, I don't know if that 240 if that's an accurate number for her or not, but I know it's a lot of people point paying to uh to uh to be on OnlyFans or to subscribe to OnlyFans. And it spawned a lot of other stuff. You see now, even on Instagram, there you can have your your paid content. This this um, you know, you pay a monthly fee and you you get the content. I I haven't seen I haven't seen anybody on there yet. It is kind of whatever. A lot of stuff is just different special interests. Like oh, here's my travel. See my exclusive travel or my exclusive whatever. I ain't seen nobody out there doing the most yet, but we'll see where that goes. For for twenty dollars a month, I'm just trying to think what what would I want to see this celebrity do for twenty dollars a month in a part of Black China's brand? You know, obviously she's very sexy and provocative, so I'm sure there is a lot of very um, sexual based content on there, mature content. Um, you know, she's dropped some music. Uh, we do know that she dropped some music in the last year. She was in a boxing match. Um, she has a reality TV show. So, you know, she's got uh, children by two uh, famous individuals, Tyga and um, Rob Kardashian. So, you know, listen, shout out to Black China for, you know, making this her main moneymaker. I'm not even I mad at you, sis. You hustling. Yeah, in two things as well. So not everybody on OnlyFans is getting naked. I'll say that there's people who got like poetry pages and all kinds. Of, I mean, it's it's a variety of stuff that's on there. But of course, the big drivers are are in the risque side of things. But also, you know, OnlyFans, you can tip. So it might not necessarily be like, you know, a million uh, subscribers paying 20 bucks. You got people on there, tip a thousand, you know, tip three thousand, tip five thousand. You know how it is, man. It's like it's like the digital strip club or something, because also see what, see what they do is you're able to see what other people are tipping. And so if you want to come in there like the big boss, somebody tipped 100, uh, here's 500. What's up? Pay attention to me. You see what I'm saying? And so you get a lot of that going on as well. You know what? Can you go live with your person on OnlyFans too? Like, can like let's say I, you know, I'm a, I'm an OnlyFans creator, and someone wants to go live with Jules, and it's like for a thousand dollars, we can do exactly. A and so, so then that's the other thing is you could get like some one on one session, and be like, yeah, ten thousand dollars. You know, I'm gonna do whatever you want me to do on the screen. 
maybe read a book, maybe do something else. You know what I'm saying? For an hour, I need 10,000, you know? So there's so many other ways of, of making money inside of OnlyFans, even beyond the subscription. Listen, <laughs> it's, it's a little too over my head. I appreciate you, Black China, for keeping your hustle on. You know, she is a former stripper. Um, again, she does promote body positivity all the time. Um, she's a beautiful woman who has, you know, really recreated herself and is is making this her own. So there's a lot of people on OnlyFans, to Amari's point, that are not selling sexual con sexually based content. Um, and then there's some that's actually really throwing it back and having sex on camera, which, you know, shout out to them, too. That's if that's the way you want to make your money, you know, then Mo, mo power to you. You know, you're doing it in a safe, cultivated environment and getting your coin. And guess what? You got you got to pay taxes on your money. So, you know, it's a good living. Go ahead. Twenty million dollars a month. We might be in the wrong business. Hello. <laughs> I don't know who goes subscribe to see me, though. <laughs> I, I, listen, I agree. I don't I couldn't come up with enough stuff, enough content. We that's another thing too like you really would have to tap in with your fans all the time and give them that exclusive content. i mean for 20 million this yeah i mean like you gotta tap in it's for a million yeah i mean really i don't know that five hundred thousand you gotta tap in Shoot, mama mama got a new pair of shoes huh Amen. Um, well, look, in other celebrity news, Amari, uh, Kanye West is back at it again on his rants. Uh, he was on social media over the week, and it appears that he is having this fleeting war with Adidas, and it has finally come to a victorious end on his part, right? So he's saying Adidas don't want no smoke. He was mad, you guys, over the course of the last couple of weeks and said that Adidas was um, having meetings without him and that they are basically swagjacking a lot of his Yeezy designs. Um, and so he doesn't really get into the details, but you guys know he has this 10-year deal with Gap. He also has um, an ongoing deal with um, Adidas that is the manufacturer and distributor to his Yeezy sneakers. Um, and, you know, he's just accusing them of stealing his designs and, you know, he had his sights set on, you know, working with different companies and this and that. And, you know, Adidas is not really interested in that. Um, he also has the same similar complaints with Gap. And we just spoke about uh, his line with the Gap um, powered by Balenciaga, where they presented the hoodies and apparel in trash bags or construction bags, as he said. Um, but, you know, Kanye West, I think, actually has a point here. And and I say that because when I was in the shoe store the other day, I saw some Adidas that look like Yeezys. And Kanye West really put Adidas back on the map. And so had it not been for Ye and Yeezys, you know, I don't think the culture would be as invested to into Adidas. And I think the gap is similarly getting the same kind of buzz because of him. And so if if Kanye West is feeling like he wants to take his um, his his wealth of, you know, who he is elsewhere, then more power to him. I think he should open up his own store, his own distribution and manufacturing company to come up with this. 
um, and stay away from these big labels because I don't think he needs it anymore. I think he should go off and do his own thing. Yeah, I mean, from from jump, this is what's what's crazy to me, right? Is is that if with with him for sure. Of course, they're stealing his his designs. Of course, they're stealing his sweat. Look who you got in the bed with, man. I mean, 100%. He got into bed with these people and did a deal with these people. You know, of course. And they're trading. They're not only just trading on the actual deal right there. Imagine, like you said, how much value and in, uh, in, in equity and everything else they're trading off of his brand and off of his name. And what's wild to me is all of this wealth that these black people got, how they continue to do business with these companies. These guys got enough money to set up their, their manufacturing distribution. He could go direct to market. You know what I'm saying? He could go direct to market in all these places. He can put his shoes in all the foot lockers. He could put his shoes in wherever, all the, the retailers online and everything else. Um, and so if you're going to get in the bed with him, this is some of the things I think he's right. But all I'm saying is like, how could you not expect this to happen though? Like on the real, like that's almost got to be kind of written, but unwritten into the deal. It's like, man, I'm getting in the bed with these people. I know they're going to be stealing my stuff. I know they're going to be sitting there. You know what I'm saying? All their diversity lawsuits that they got that are going on that you never hear about. But no, but Kanye West, he's 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 our main guy out in front. We love black people. You never know how many different ways Adidas and Gap and all these people are trading all over his name. But like he should have known that going into the deal. Absolutely. And I I think what also bothers me about Ye is his way of ending the deal. Right. So coming on social, he's, he's very Trump-esque. Right. Everything has to be publicized. We have to you know, he's always airing out this dirty laundry of things. And sometimes I want him to just be his own best advocate. And to your point, you know, you have to make deals that make sense. Like I would have never signed a 10 year deal with Gap ever. Um, if I'm Kanye West, I mean, you don't have to. Uh, so, you know, it's it's you live and you learn. Kanye West has a lot of uh, creative genius still inside of him, despite uh, the way he does go about things. And it's it's really watered down because he's hard to work with. And so I think for somebody like him who wants to be able to kind of self-govern and, and run things the way he wants to run it and have, you know, creative freedom on things, you know, he can't have anybody telling him what to do. He needs to be able to go off and, and sail into the sunset. So hopefully he'll stay off social media and not let all of us into his business to know what's going on there. I'm actually shocked and surprised that Adidas and Gap are kind of that they would. I mean, I guess they they, they everyone has made so much money off the deal that they probably don't care what he says on social media. But I'm actually surprised they signed I mean, the, the, the yeah. thing is about about Kanye's approach and maybe he tried other avenues and now he's at his wits end is that when you go all off on social media, 
you leave the door open for somebody to make a quick cosmetic fix because the the issue that they have is a public relations issue. What mm-hmm. bruh need to be doing is forcing legal issues. You ain't never got to say nothing out to the public because, you know, all, all Adidas has to do is be like, man, you know what? We recognize this and that. Kanye is such a genius and blah, blah, blah. And we're going to do X, Y, and Z, which is really no kind of fix, but it's a public relations fix. But the actual issue isn't fixed. You know what I'm saying? A different approach would be like, yeah, you know, I mean, where you're, he wants to be able to see all designs before they go out or he wants to be able to see whatever, you know, I mean, some of these things can be fixed internally, but like I said, by going off like that, believe me, I'm in communications and PR. That's what we see is corporate America spends a lot of money and being able to create a cosmetic fix for something to make people in the public feel like they're doing something. As we can see two years ago, the winds of George Floyd was blowing across America and all these people made these cosmetic fixes. Two years later, ain't nobody talking about George Floyd and a lot of the things that were there two years ago are no longer there because we allow corporate America to make, uh, um, we, we, we allow them to make these, these fixes for the public and not actually fixes to their policy. Mm-hmm. And so I, I hope that, a part of his approach is having is having these big companies actually fit the root, uh, fix the root cause of what's going on. So, all right. Oh, well, we are going to switch gears. Let's take a quick break. But when we come back, you guys, I have some really big news to share with you. So stay tuned. You don't want to miss this. All right, you guys, welcome back to Clapback Culture. So I told you guys there is some big news I wanted to share with you. So without further ado, Cuddy, roll that beautiful bean footage. Let the blessings See, I'm grateful for not anything but everything. Every loss I had to take, I took it on the chin. We stood on our team. All right, you guys, the secret is out. Your girl is pregnant. So Rodney and I are expecting our first child together, and I'm very excited to share to finally share the news with everyone. <laughs> All right, can congratulations, congratulations, Matt. How you feeling? I feel great. Um, you know, we held the secret in for so long, you guys. I'm actually due January seventh, twenty twenty three. So we are, you know, moving more than halfway along on this thing. Um, and it, it, it's been something that we wanted to keep privately um, and to ourselves and kind of just enjoy with the two of us. And so right before, you know, you have all these plans on how you want to do it, how you want to announce and blah, blah, blah. And nothing was kind of coming into fruition. And just so happened that we were having um, some friends over for Labor Day weekend, just our regular kickbacks, you guys. Like this was nothing huge. Nobody 
got a special invitation. It was just an invite went out to friends and family that wanted to come over for the barbecue. And we made an impromptu decision the night before to just announce. And so we went to the store the day of and we were like, let's just get some matching shirts. And everybody kind of was like, why are you guys twinning? You know, but that's, you know, that's, I always love to twin with Rodney. I'm sure he still hates it. Um, he's, he's, he's growing into it. And um, we told, you know, on the way home from the store, we called our families. I told my mom and my brother and, you know, some of our best friends, we, we shared with them first. And we literally just said, had everyone come take a picture and, and shared with them there. So it was just an impromptu decision. And, you know, the cat is finally out the bag, but I'm feeling great. I feel um, overwhelmed with love and, you know, uh, support. And so I am joining the new mom's club, you guys, even though I had my bonus babies, you know, this is finally my first that I get to conceive on my own. And I'm just, you know, really grateful and excited about the next couple months. <laughs> Yo, so we've been saying here for a minute, we'd be like, man, Julia is really glowing. Julia is just whatever. It was like, man, look at Julia. Look at now we know, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Because yeah. it, it was it was something was showing about you. You know what I'm saying? Something was like, man, like Julia is just just looking great. I mean, and I think the best thing is you talk about how how you're you're feeling so loved and you know what I'm saying you're feeling so great about this and you know Rodney what a great partner and everything else and I, I me personally my question for you is if we look back if we hopped in our our time machine one year you've been on you've been on air in two years now I think mm -hmm. next no, November October November be two two years did. Did you see this day? I mean, I'm sure like you saw it eventually, but you know, I mean, I, I never could have put all these things together. I mean, you know, one thing about me is that, you know, I'm pretty optimistic. And when we got the house, I was really intentional at setting up the closet and putting all Rodney's things in the closet. And that's one thing that kind of sticks out for it. And I did that because you know, and set things in its particular place, you know, Rod, setting up Rodney's closet, setting up the kids' rooms. And my prayer always was, God, bring my family home. And oh, it's going to make me emotional, but I'm not going to cry. But, you know, with that being said, I could not have seen, you know, this prayer answered so quickly. I knew it would come, but I, I didn't see it kind of rolling out in this manner. But I'm grateful that I was prepared for the moment and that it's all just kind of coming full circle. You know, it's been a long road. It's been a really, really long road and there's been some bumps and hurdles along the way, but I'm really just grateful that this is, you know, where I get to stand right now. So I am, you know, living in my own fairy tale and I want to embrace that and I don't want to think about, you know, uh, you know, anything that's scary or anything that's to come or anything like that. But I really am um, glowing from the inside out because it's actually genuinely how I feel. All right. So another question here. Have you thought of any names yet? Yes. OK, so Rodney and I have selected names long before this moment, you guys. Um, so if it's a girl, because we're going to do a baby shower gender reveal combo, um, if it's a girl, her name will be Kennedy. And if it's a boy, his name will be Cairo. So Kennedy and Cairo, it's one of the two that's in 
uh, mommy's belly right now. So we'll figure out what it is um, sometime in November. We're planning to do a shower sometime in November. So all of the plans are like still underway. We're still trying to figure it out. And we may or may not have a venue, but listen, the baby's already taken away from me. I'm trying to do it the week of my birthday to accommodate, you know, my, my mom's schedule, my brother's schedule, my sister-in-law's schedule, all of that. So it's a lot of uh, Well, I'm a, uh, well, a few things. <laughs> this, this, this is the last few months of accommodating everybody else's schedule. So you get it out your system. Could come January 7th, there's only one schedule you're going to be accommodating. Okay, Kennedy or Cairo, whatever they say. And, and like I said, the baby's already taking my birthday. So I'm like, dang, they already taking from me. What, what, uh, what, how'd, you, how'd you guys come up with Kennedy in Cairo? I don't know. I'm looking at Rodney right now. We always talked about, I mean, we've been planning to have kids for a long time. Um, and those Kennedy was always a name that I really thought was beautiful. And in Rodney's family, one of the traditions is they do A's and K's um, and T's. And so we were like, oh, so we can kind of stick with the theme. So that was kind of the theme. And Kennedy was always a name that I thought was like really regal. Um, I love boy names for girls. And Cairo was just a name that I heard, um, I don't know, in passing. And I was like, oh, I love that. And then his nickname could be Ro, you know? So I don't know. It's just, it's been a name. And when we talk about having kids over the last couple of years, we always talk about Kennedy or Cairo. Well, that's good. You ain't have a lot, a lot of uh, debate. You know, a lot of times, man, it be it's it's not always as easy. That's a blessing, right? Because then sometimes it ain't until you have kids that you that you realize either how similar or how apart you are, right? Because it's all good. Like somebody might worship the way they do, might go to church, not go to church, might do this and that. But then when you have kids, it's like, oh yeah, no, we, we need to be going to church. He was like, but we wasn't doing that a year ago. You know what I'm saying? Or we need to be doing this, or this is diet. And this, all these things that was always just under the surface. Cause it's like, whatever, when it comes to kids, that's where all this other stuff bubbles to the surface. And so the, the fact that you guys, and that's why a lot of times when people don't like plan to have kids, you guys have been talking about for a long time. So you're in a great position. A lot of times when people don't necessarily plan to have kids and they have the kid and then they realize how different they actually are and how different they believe in certain things. And then that manifests itself, you know, so it's definitely a blessing there. I'll share this with you. So my, my daughter, Victoria, who's named um, after Lake Victoria. That's that's right. You know, and so it was it was it was an easy enough kind of name. Um, because that's that's where she was conceived of, Lake Victoria there in Wanza, Tanzania. I always like to say made in Africa, delivered in America. So it was it was pretty easy for that one. And then Acacia, uh Tasha came up with Acacia and I said Asia, but of course, you know, Acacia. Yo, Tasha was like, no, it's Acacia. <laughs> and and oh, a little oh Omari, well, we all know where we got that. Amen. Amen. So yeah, it's it's actually been a really, really um, fairly simple process for the two of us. I think, you know, I, I just 
I'm kind of like, I'm really lucky because, you know, Rodney has two kids already and I've been able to be a part of their lives for years now. So I've also learned his parenting style. And so I've been training to be, you know, a decent parent for a long time. Uh, so I feel pretty equipped. Um, you know, everyone keeps telling me, just get your sleep in now because, you know, you'll never sleep again the same way. So hopefully I'll be able to get some rest soon enough, <laughs> sooner than later. All right. Good stuff. Well, I said con congratulations. And, you know, um, I, I know you're hooking up with the Queens when you, yes. when you get out here next week with the Queens of Converse. It's, uh, uh Takia, T-Dub Ward, and Basa Gordon, Trey Holiday. So um, I'm sure they got something special lined up for you. Yes, I'm looking forward to it. So I'm looking forward to coming to Seattle. Nobody knew you guys, not Omari, none of none of the Converge family. I actually dropped it in there before we sent out the social media posts so that they could know, my colleagues can know. But um, yeah, so I was making it, I was like, Omari kept asking me, when are you going to come down? When are you going to come down? And I was like, I have to hurry up and come down there now because I don't want to <laughs> be uh, a beach whale. So luckily I've been staying fit. You guys, you guys will still check me out on my Instagram. You guys, I'm still posting how to be a fit mom. It's really important you guys to stay active um, while you go through this pregnancy journey as much as possible. Uh, so I'm excited to share my fitness journey with you guys along the way. Yeah. All right. Well, big O, that's our show tonight. That's it. That's all. We are out of time, brother. Yeah, well, we're ending it with a smile and with yes. great news. Yes, absolutely. Well, look, Amari, where can they find you when you're not here on Clapback Culture? As usual, I'm everywhere like air. All you got to do is just, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> just look. But on social media, you can find me at Omari Saul, at O-M-A-R-I-S-A-L. All right. Awesome. And you guys can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Treasure of J-U-L-E-S. You know what it is. Thank you for spending your Thursday evening with us. Make sure you come back next Thursday. I'm going to be live in studio with my big O, my big bro, uh, to talk about some more hot topics. So go ahead and send those in. Drop them into my DM so we can talk about what you want to hear about. All right. Until then, stay peaceful, you guys. All right. Peace. Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.